good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. You're right, Jake. Uh, this portion of the show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, we got a jam-packed show here. I haven't. It seems like I haven't been on in a week, and it's basically I haven't been on in a week. And uh, so I just want to give a quick, quick shout out to uh, Renzo and Olivia that are just leaving here. My godchildren are here today with Wendy and uh, celebrating life, and uh, it's good to see them. And thanks for the the T-shirt that they drew me. And they, I don't know if you can see this. Uh, uh, they drew a little butt because I always tell them, you know, do you know what? And they say what? And I say chicken butt. And so they drew a butt on my shirt. And so I just want to say peeny geeky. Hey, Robert's with us from Native American Community Development Institute. And Robert, we got a jam-packed show. And we got your good friend, sister, uh, Peggy, to lead off. And I'd like us to discuss a little bit after we listen, into, listen to our lieutenant governor here in Minnesota. Honey, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. It's an exciting week here in Minnesota as the federal government and the Minnesota Department of Employment and Economic Development announced transformative investments in broadband. In 2023, reliable high-speed broadband is part of the basic infrastructure that keeps us connected to our lives. It's how we run our businesses, do our homework, keep in touch with loved ones. And as equipment becomes more advanced, our farms and our transportation systems increasingly rely on strong internet connections. Yet far too many households, especially those who are low income or live in the most rural parts of the state, do not have access to this basic necessity. We hear about kids doing their school assignments in the McDonald's parking lot to use the free Wi-Fi, or employees taking Zoom meetings from their phones, relying on data and phone service just to do their jobs. Whether you live in the heart of Minneapolis-St. Paul or in the furthest reaches of the Northwoods, you should have access to this essential connection. This week, I joined U.S. Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo to highlight the $652 million awarded to Minnesota by the Biden-Harris administration to invest in broadband equity across the state. This incredible investment from the Biden-Harris administration and the U.S. Department of Commerce will be transformational for broadband infrastructure here in Minnesota and across the nation. The Minnesota Department of Employment and Economic Development also announced nearly $67 million in investments across the state through the Border-to-Border -border Broadband Development Grant Program and the Low Population Density Program. I visited 702 Communications in Moorhead, Minnesota to celebrate this incredible and essential work to keep us all better connected. And I'm still incredibly emotional over the recent Supreme Court decision to uphold the Indian Child Welfare Act and affirm our right to raise our babies in our communities. When ICWA was first passed, over one third of all Native children had been removed from their homes and placed with non-Native families with no ties to their tribes or communities. 
ICWA is crucial to the well-being of Native children and their families and the future of tribal nations. You've heard Governor Walls and I repeat how important it is for us to lead with our values. We have made it a priority to ensure that Minnesota Makoche is the best state for all kids to grow up, a state where every child is safe and protected and invested in. When Governor Walls signed the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act into law in March, we were making sure that Native children and Native families had another layer of protection, regardless of what the Supreme Court was going to decide. This was one step forward, ensuring that all families have the ability to thrive here in Minnesota. And the Supreme Court's opinion affirmed that we were right. I'm so grateful that seven Supreme Court justices decided to be on the right side of history and uphold the constitutionality of ICWA. But I really wish that my dad was alive to see this moment. He never stopped tr fighting for tribal sovereignty, which was at risk if this case had not turned out the way it did. This decision is a major victory for Native children, for Native families, for tribal nations, and for the future of our cultures and for the beautiful diversity that exists within our identities as Native people across Turtle Island. We get to keep our babies, raise our babies, and love our babies. But we also know that our families struggle and this work is far from done. Historical trauma is real. It impacts our families, and we know that. Our rates of out-of-home placement of Native children aren't much different than they were across the nation when ICWA was first passed. So if Native children need to be removed from their parents, ICWA and MIFPA require that the children are placed with their extended family where they belong while everything is done to provide services and support to reunify them with their parents. When Native children are connected to their culture, they thrive. When Native children are doing well, and when tribal nations are doing well, then all of us are doing well. This is the work we can do together to focus on what is best for our children. And I'm excited to keep doing this work in partnership with each of you. It's a joy to continue to celebrate victories, big and small, with Native Roots Radio audience. Chimi Rich, Pina Gigi, and back to you. Wow. 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 Robert, uh, what, what do you say? I, that, first of all, she does a great update with us and uh, we are so appreciative here at Native Roots Radio. Yeah, I think that's great. So congratulations to you on the show and oh yeah, bonjour. It's nice to be here with you. And I always love listening to our Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, the, the highest ranking native person in the executive office in this country. Definitely. And a good friend of yours. And, uh, you know, you were doing your political career and then she was just getting into politics and uh, your paths uh, passed each other and have been friends for many, many years now. She was kind enough uh, to reach out to me during her first campaign, which is a school board campaign, you know, kind of a good entry level uh, office to run for. And, and I was honored to work on helping to develop her message and volunteering on her campaign and uh i wrote her her first campaign contribution check and wow. uh yeah and uh gave her first uh introduction for her victory speech on election night and she was so uh so respectful that she brought me tobacco and asked me to swear her into office and i was wow. in public office at the time and since i had taken the oath of office i could administer it so i swore her into office all those years ago, almost 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, I didn't know a couple of those things. That was really cool. 
Uh, we're here again with uh, Robert Lilligren, uh, Native American Community Development Institute here in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. And I appreciate you sharing sharing uh, your segments with the uh, Lieutenant Governor. And uh, it, it's just a good day to be good to, day to be Indian. Here, here, and I will say I don't have a cat or dog, so that isn't coming <laughs> from my end. But in uh, just listening to Peggy, there, she's you know one of those really, really rare elected officials that always is engaged with her heart as well as her head, and and thinking of what she's going to say and what it what it means to people, and she's just so authentic. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, well, and we got a couple minutes left in this segment, and I, I don't want to get too deep, but, uh, you know, there's always something popping up, and one of the things that uh, I wanted to touch base with you is just that weirdness with the Pocahontas in South Dakota. I mean, does this stuff ever end? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I can't believe it. I think it's in Iowa, right? Muscatine, Iowa? Yeah, I'm sorry, Iowa. Where, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's just shocking, and for people that haven't seen the image, it's a uh, I don't know, an apparently non-Native woman in a skimpy Pocahontas costume literally being dragged or tied up to a horse. Yeah. And uh, a rider uh, a rider pulling her, I guess, in a in a 4th of July parade. <laughs> yeah, it just never ends. Hey, Robert, yeah. stick with us again. We have a lot to talk about, but we also want to hear from the governor of the great state of Wisconsin, too. And he's got he's given us an update, too. And I'd love to have you respond and what's happening in our I don't know if we even call it our sister, but our, our close state, you know, our close state. all these executives are giving you information, Robert. You're they're paying attention to you right on. And because I have great guests like you. So, hey, we'll be right back after this short break with Robert Lilligren and an update from Governor Evers of Wisconsin. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Unwanted sexting or photos, inappropriate jokes, even tickling or wrestling can feel like a violation. Catcalling, cornering, or groping, getting them drunk or high for sex, recording sexual acts without permission, hurting someone because of their sexual orientation, ripping a family member, a child, a date, a friend, a stranger, purchasing a human being for sex. You make the choice every single time. Sexual violence is many things. Make a choice. Do not do it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Attention, Native American community. We've come a long way in our fight against COVID-19. The emergency declaration may be over, but our responsibility to stay vigilant remains. It is crucial to remember that the virus is still among us, and we must continue to prioritize our health and the well-being of our loved ones and elders. Besides getting vaccinated, let's not forget the basics when we're around people who are still vulnerable to COVID-19. Wear your mask, wash your hands regularly, and take an at-home COVID-19 test if you have any symptoms. We've shown incredible strength and resilience throughout history, and we will triumph over this challenge as well. Let's honor our ancestors by taking care of one another and keeping our communities safe. Together, let's navigate uncertain times with courage and unity. Stay informed, stay safe, and remember that our actions today will shape a brighter future for our Native community. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. 
Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. Hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren of Native American Community Development Institute. And Robert, I'm thrown off here. It's a Thursday and I wasn't at the Four Sisters Market today. And I know I'm, we I'm missed a little, you. It was a perfect day, too. It was. It was a great day at the Four Sisters Farmers Market. It's one of our projects of NACTI, and and you're there every Thursday. People noticed your absence for sure, but the weather was perfect. Uh, it's kind of a scene, as you know. It's kind of a a buzzy scene within the Native community here, and we had a great food demonstration and food samples. It, it was a good day at the market. And, and I'm a little butthurt too because uh, the person that was putting the food sample on uh, is a ho chunk. So that was yes, that was sad. Didn't weren't we weren't out there uh, supporting her and and what you guys do there. So I am a little thrown off here. And uh, we got a short update from uh, the governor of uh, of uh, Wisconsin, and we really appreciate these updates because again, Robert, you know we're all over Wisconsin. We're on. 18 other stations in Wisconsin, and uh, we're really grateful to be partnering with Wisconsin because, you know, I, as you know, I'm a legislator for Ho-Chunk Nation, oh, and, yeah. uh, and you helped me get elected with a lot of uh, good insight. I really appreciate that. And, you know, it's a four-year term, and it's already two years, and now i got to start thinking about running again. <laughs> right. Well, and these borders between our states, those are colonizer tools, right? Those are, exactly. We didn't set those borders. Exactly. So why don't we take a quick, uh, quick listen here? I know it's a quick update, and then we're going to get back to Robert and what's happening, and maybe you can comment a little bit on Governor Evers. Let's take a listen. Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update. Hey there, folks. Governor Tony Evers here. Yesterday, I signed the 2023-25 biennial budget the legislature sent to my desk, making substantial improvements. I'm proud that the budget I signed into law yesterday will provide a historic increase in support to local communities statewide, build on our work to do what's best for our kids with historic budget investments in K-12 education, investing $125 million in addressing and preventing PFAS contamination statewide, make one of the largest investments in our workforce housing in state's history, and make key investments in our justice system, our state workforces, our tourism industries, our farmers, producers, and our veterans. 
And with the help of my vetoes, this budget will ensure $15 million in additional support for state's child care providers with additional flexibility, provide school districts with the predictable long-term spending authority increases for the foreseeable future, give the UW system the ability to keep 188 positions, and make sure tax relief goes to working families facing rising costs. So I'm glad the legislature joined me in making critical investments in several key areas. The fact remains that this budget, while now improved, remains imperfect and incomplete. Of urgent concern to me as as governor is that Republicans return this budget to me without critical components of my comprehensive plan to address the workforce challenges that have already plagued our state for generations and will continue to do so without further action. So I'm giving the legislature a second chance. I'm using my broad constitutional veto authority to ensure ample state resources are readily available for the legislature to complete their work on this budget. I'm optimistic that our work together can continue, and it must, so we can bolster our state's workforce, maintain our economic momentum, and most importantly, do the right thing for Wisconsin. Thanks for listening. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Thank you, Governor Evers. Uh, uh, Robert, uh, I don't know if you had a time to, to check out that text I just sent you, but uh, it's uh, really interesting that Evers kind of outsmarted uh, the Republicans there. And right. uh, I don't know if you saw that where he changed the number. Oh, yeah. Okay. This morning, he made a brilliant use of what's called his partial veto, right? And it was brilliant, brilliant, strategic, you know, especially I like to kind of, you know, calmly, subtly use the term long-term funding for education. He funded education increases until the year 24, 25. <laughs> so we did 400 years of education uh, funding with just a stroke of his partial veto pen. <laughs> and he changed the dates because uh, it was for 2024 and 2025, and he just co- yeah. combined the numbers, right? Right. He just did a, you know, a strike through and changed the number, and, and he had the authority to do it. And he used that authority, and, and he used it so strategically. And, you know, the there was a Republican-backed middle-class uh, tax that they were they created that was for families that were making something like up to four hundred five thousand dollars a year, and he vetoed that and uh, changed the the tax rates the tax structure and the Republicans howled that it was a uh, uh, he was cutting a middle class tax they put in place. Yeah. So I I have a hard time thinking of some a household income of four hundred five thousand dollars a year as middle yeah. class. Exactly, that's crazy. Well, good for them and. Um... You know, with their with their uh, new Supreme Court uh, person there, hopefully we can get rid of the gerrymandering in Wisconsin and have them a little bit more like Minnesota because we love to visit Wisconsin. We don't like the Packers, yeah. but we love to visit the right. Wisconsin. Right. Well, it's so interesting with uh, uh, Eber's situation and his uh, him using his limited veto so well. So it shows you the importance, right? The Democrats hold the governors. Uh, office, but the Republicans control the legislature, and so, so it just shows you elections matter. Who we put into these offices matter, and not just in some abstract state at the Capitol sort of way, but in, in the daily in our daily lives. So, mm-hmm. I just think that's a brilliant example. Hats off. Yeah, 
And I'm ex- I'm excited because we're going to be revving up soon. Um, and I know you guys have with uh, Make Voting a Tradition. That's coming out right now. And it's not soon enough for me to get more people registered and talk to our, our Gen Zs who are going to save us. <laughs> right, right. And that Make Voting a Tradition, it's a project in NACTI. It's a multi-generational approach to engaging Native folks, not just at the ballot box, but in the whole political process, making sure people know how it works, how government works, who are the candidates uh, are running for office, and it's been very successful. It's been a, a project of NACTI for about, I think, maybe eight years now. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it's it's got a great saying, uh, make voting a, a, a tradition that's it very, very native, and I really appreciate that. And you always have some good swag and, and things to hand out. And <laughs> and I know um, you were involved, and there was a couple other organizations, and I just want to bring this up, too, that was uh, the the cycle before the last, where up north there uh, 9,000 new voters in, in the in the reservations up there, uh, and that made a huge difference in, uh, in the last presidential election. It does. And, you know, one of the things we're learning is that, uh, you know, Native votes might be somewhat small in number, but they're mighty in percentage, right? And they can be that margin of victory in when elections are being won by one or two percent of the vote. And we are make voting a tradition was part of a national seven state strategy, it was called, where seven states were identified where the Native vote could actually swing the presidential vote. And in two of them, it did. It did swing. I mean, it was uh, Mich- Michigan and Arizona, I think. Yep. Don't quote me on that. But uh, but that's that's political power, right? That's power building for our people when we can actually swing votes and we demand reciprocity, okay? We can, mm-hmm. you know, we can swing this vote. What are you going to do for us? And exactly. I think we've seen in the Biden-Harris administration, they've done stuff for us. Yeah, and I, I always say this, and I don't know if I should bring this up because my Facebook picture is with a uh, picture with uh, Obama uh, when I got to meet him for thirteen seconds, uh, <laughs> or was it twelve seconds? Um, but uh, you know, uh, Biden came out of the out of the um, out of the racetrack or uh, out of the gates, I should say. Um, really, with some progressive uh, progressive bills right away. He did. He did. And, uh, and I've always thought it was, you know, it's interesting, you know, race plays such a huge role in our country, in our politics. And it was interesting what a, what an elder white man felt he could accomplish, you know, uh, right out of the gate and what a young black man president thought he could accomplish. And so, so I give Biden credit, you know, I give him some credit. Mm -hmm. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how 2024 plays out. Yeah, we really, uh, to make things happen and uh, to uh, get this bad nightmare in this last six years of mega, 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 uh, we really have to uh, get out get out, and get out the vote. And again, I really, and uh, Haley is, is a Gen Zer, so I really appreciate the Gen Zs, and uh, they're going to be outnumbering us, uh, us boomers. Uh, yeah, the in biggest voting year. block in the country. So flex that muscle. It's yours to it's yours to decide, and and I'm looking forward to that. And I was just thinking about this this morning. How you know since the 2016 presidential election, how 
how kind of weird it's been. And, and it wasn't that those white supremacist views weren't always there. They were, but they were given permission, right? They were made mainstream. And so now we got to put them back in a box. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Robert, thanks for stopping in. And uh, wow, pleasure. this is my, my first show back. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. So it was great having you as on. And uh, we'll be ta- talking to you next week. And I'm definitely going to try and make it out to the Four Sisters again uh, next I week. I hope so. All right. Hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. And we'll be right back after this short break. Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line Light Rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Hey, I'm here with Mary, and Mary is the president of the Friends of the Black River Forest. And Mary, uh, welcome to Native Roots Radio. Hi, Robert. Thanks a lot for having me. Hi, Haley. Hey. Hey, we talked uh, at uh, the Wisconsin uh, Democratic uh, Convention for a little bit, and I thought what you had to say was pretty 
pretty enthralling, and I wanted to get you on and uh, and talk a little bit about that. Great. Well, I'm really happy to be here. It's something that, you know, we try to attend uh, organizations that have a large number of people in order to get our word out. And we were fortunate to speak to many people at that convention who had never heard of what is going on in near Kohler Andre State Park outside of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And I could fill you in a little bit about uh, the history of our group. We started, mm-hmm. uh, we're from uh, about a mile from the state park and uh, very, very close to the uh, a piece of land, which is 247 acres along the Lake Michigan shore, which is owned by the Kohler Company and has been since around um, 1936. This piece of land was um, part of the uh, the larger tract that Kohler owned was donated to Terry Andre Park in the 60s, I believe, and that was a few hundred acres, and they mm-hmm. retained their 247 acres. They also had been in a lease agreement to lease the 247 acres to the state and had many negotiations for the state to acquire it permanently, but they didn't work out. So uh, in around 19, uh, 2012, we heard, meaning the neighbors here, that the Kohler Company intended to use its land that had been uh, preserved by the family uh, since basically it was untouched since they bought it in 1936, that they had planned to create a glamping facility, which was uh, high-end glamping. And this necessitated uh, an archaeological report. And then if we uh, fast forward, that deal was changed and the company decided they wanted to build a championship golf course Hmm. along the lake on their acreage. And we then became friends of the Black River Forest because we were very concerned because uh, particularly with companies who uh, are well connected and who also do a lot for the community, there can be at times passes given, uh, Mm -hmm. particularly on environmental regulations. And we were very concerned and decided to monitor the DNR's actions and the Kohler Company, as well as other permitting agencies. So our work took kind of like twofold, uh, like a a two-pronged action. One was to educate people about the rarity of this land, mm-hmm. the rarity of the state park land, which Kohler wanted to use some acres of to add to theirs for the golf course, and the cultural history, which is so heavily evidenced in our area of the Native American presence right. uh, from from Green Bay um, all the way uh, to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And we happen to be in an area that has been known really early by archaeologists in the um, early 1900s, some even before that, of a continuous habitation here along the shore. Two, when, the, when they decided to go for a golf course, there were two other archaeological studies done. And one uh, 
uncovered thousands of artifacts and uh, an, an historic fishing village. But the artifacts um, show habitation, as I said, uh, back to uh, 4,000 years ago. And then, of course, we come to the more current presence of um, Native Americans. And over the years, of course, we have um, the presence of mound builders here. We right. have Indian Mound State Park, which a Kola relative was uh, uh, famously uh, worked to preserve those um, 18 effigy mounds. And right. that's probably less than a quarter of a mile from the Kohler site. Um, so... Going further uh, forward, we then decided when we heard about the excavations and all of the impacts that were planned for this course, we decided we had to um, challenge a very uh, a poorly written wetland fill permit by the DNR. Mm -hmm. And that particular permit was revoked by an administrative law judge in 2019. And the Kohler Company appealed that, and the revocation was upheld in the circuit court. So the wetland permit, uh, we will know what the appellate court decision is because Kohler appealed the two revocations. Uh, so we are challenging it on that level. We're also challenging a state park giveaway uh, the DNR gave away prime uh, Kohler Andre State Park land to the Kohler Company uh, to build a uh, large maintenance complex for fuel and pesticide mixing and diesel equipment maintenance and storage. And also, they, they gave the company two easements, one to reconstruct the entire entrance to Kohler Andre with a rotary so that Kohler could get to its landlocked parcel. They have no other entrance. Uh, well, actually, they do have entrance on their own land, but I should say they didn't choose to use that option. They chose an option of uh, going through the main entrance of the state park. And also to uh, build a road from that rotary going north through uh, really important habitat to right. what would be their golf course. So those are the two things, uh, the two prongs of our legal action. Uh, the, when, what I told you about mm -hmm. when I met you at the convention, what we were trying to bring to people's attention is that all of the action stemming from uh, Kohler wanting to build this golf course and remove the ecosystem here um, has resulted in Kohler bringing our standing uh, status to even bring a lawsuit to the Supreme Court. Uh, we, uh, an appeals court, affirmed our right to, to challenge a state agency, the DNR, on its giveaway of the land. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court reversed that and said that we have no standing to challenge a state agency. This is critical for the people of Wisconsin to know because right now there's an agreement pending, a land exchange agreement to give the Kohler Company these six acres uh, of prime land 
And if, if that agreement is not reviewed either by the governor or the National Resources Board and nullified, what that means is that any of our state parks and public lands can be used as bargaining chips. Because in this case, the Kohler company went to former Governor Scott Walker and said, presented their golf course plan that they wanted to use state land and, and asked for help. And from then on, it was downhill for the DNR because how they were pressured to push through the permit and to give the company what it wanted is well documented. Mm. And um, so that's where we are. We, we can't bring the land swap decision into court. We have no right to argue it according to the Supreme Court. Uh, that's huge for all environmental organizations. Right. Yeah. So, and then, of course, when I found out that you were with Native Roots Radio, I got so excited because lately we've been really working to bring to the attention of uh, the Native American community how significant this area is. And when the Wisconsin Historical Society allow, you know, gives its permitting, they're dealing only with the, the actual um, footprint of the Kohler project. Um, and what, what we maintain is that the entire area around this project is sacred ground. Right. Human, remain, human remains were found, and we didn't even know it until a, a, a couple... Um, uh, Bell Reagans and Eric Thielen decided to request uh, documents from the Army Corps of Engineer, Engineers in 2018 and found out that there were, in fact, uh, evidence of many more mounds and that human remains had been found. And uh, unfortunately, um, private land cannot be forced to become uh, a national reg- uh, on the national registry of historic places, mm-hmm. most most of the the land that that is conserved as a historic place has been um, uh, arranged with the owner and the institution. So Kohler has never, even though the Army Corps has said that the Kohler land is eligible for the, to be on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, Kohler hasn't responded to any of that. In fact, Kohler hasn't responded um, to anything in the, in the uh, nine years we've been working on this. You know, we got a, a minute left here, and I want to bring you back in, and I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, action, what we can do, what our listeners can do, um, what's what's the solution here. And I know here in Minnesota, we're always dealing with the DNR and pipelines and native lands and and what can we do if we can't take them to court? You know, the, the, we have to have a plan of action of some sort, Mary, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that and a little bit uh, more about this uh, 
this so-called land swap. So, hey, really great to have you on. We're with Mary, and uh, she is the president of Friends of the Black Forest, River Forest here in Wisconsin. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. ho Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Even though the public COVID-19 emergency might be over, it's still important to stay up to date on vaccinations. And if you're like most people, you probably need a refresher on who should get vaccinated and when. So here's the bottom line. If you're six years or older, aim for that one updated COVID-19 vaccine. It doesn't matter if you've had a previous vaccine or not, you're still in the game. Now, if you're 65 or older, you've got the green light for one extra dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Just wait four months after your first updated dose and you're good to go. And for the little ones, children between six months and five years may need multiple doses, including at least one of the updated vaccines based on their age and previous doses. Remember, always stay informed and reach out to healthcare professionals for personalized guidance. Didn't catch all of that? You can find all of the updated COVID vaccine information at health.state.mn.us. That's health.state.mn.us. This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. Hey, you know, we just heard from a Dallas Goldtooth of Reservation Dogs there, and it's really sad that this last year is their last year on uh, television, and uh, they had a great three-year run, and they're going to be calling it quits uh, while they're on top, so that's a good way to go. But uh, still sad and waiting uh, in August 2nd, I guess, is when their season drops, so we're really... Uh pretty sad here at native roots radio about that but we'll have bobby wilson on and the dallas on again real soon before the the opening of uh, reservation dogs hey we're here with uh, mary fadash and we're talking about uh, and she's the president of friends of the black river forest and we're talking about some concerning things happening in wisconsin and we uh you know, dislike new golf courses. We dislike uh, deals with the DNR and the secret stuff that they do. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this, Mary. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. 
Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about a uh, call to action. What can uh, our listeners do? Because we, we, we like to talk about that too, besides, uh, uh, I suppose, protesting around the DNR office uh, 24-7. What can we do? Well, let's see, Robert. Um, I think one of, one of the biggest issues that we talk about is how do we move, if at all, the Kohler Company to address the, um, the major destruction that will occur uh, because the the piece of land has the highest wetland quality in the state. It is an important migratory bird stopover, which is the best possible. It's considered an IBA. Uh, there are rare interdunal wetlands that are protected in northern Wisconsin and, and uh, also through the Ramsar Convention in Europe. Um, and the deforestation will be at least 180 of 247 acres clear-cut next to the state park. So mm. the organizations that have stepped up uh, to write to the DNR are the Wisconsin Wetlands Association, the Wisconsin Society of Ornithology, the, uh, let's see, um, I'm trying to think of the other one. Well, anyway, the Sierra Club uh, mm -hmm. has joined with us as a partner in, in this campaign, and they have written a petition to the Kohler Company asking them to reconsider this. Um, because, you know, once this rare area is gone, it, it's gone forever. And the impacts of the, the pollution are irreparable. So um, that is one thing, and I will have that uh, published on our website tomorrow. Our website yeah. is, is friendsblackriverforest.org. Also, uh, I talked to you about the petition to Governor mm -hmm. Evers, asking him to review this land exchange that was made during the Walker administration uh, mm -hmm. because it really is critical to all the residents of Wisconsin. We have a petition uh, for that that um, is, is not too difficult uh, to remember. It is um, change.org forward slash freecolorandre.com. Mm-hmm. And Kohler Andre is A-N-D-R-A-E. Um, so those are two petitions that are in the making. Uh, I, th I think, actually, I think um, when I decided to uh, practically accost you as you were walking past our booth, uh, I was thinking, what is it that the Native American uh, media um, mm -hmm. can can do to get this word out because it's it's beyond for us just the fact that we're fighting to not have a permit given on the Kohler golf site but beyond that the contingent right. destruction in this area which is known to be Mm -hmm. Heavily, heavily, um, previously you know occupied. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm asking you. You know, I had gone to speak to 
uh, Bill Quackenbush, mm -hmm. uh, um, Ho-Chunks, right. and Lac de Flambeau before our litigation really was in full thrust. Mm -hmm. And um, I literally begged them to, to help take a stand against this destruction. But I certainly, uh, we want to be an ally, but we certainly right. don't understand all of the forces that Native Americans deal with you know, on a, on a regular basis with their land and their, their artifacts and, and the, the, uh, violation of human remains. Um, right. and he, he was involved with a memorandum of agreement, uh, with, uh, a, a few other tribal historic preservation officers, um, to agree to monitor the Kohler excavations. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's very sad to read, the comments, I, I believe I sent you uh, yeah. the, the transcripts of those. There was a, a real resignation among the the Thippos about, I guess there really isn't, isn't anything we can do. You know, Kohler is too big. They're not going to stop the project. Um, and, and we didn't ask to have our ancestors ripped from the ground. You decided to do that. Right. And um, so that's very, very sad that this is taking place mm -hmm. um, with a memorandum of agreement that, that clearly favors the Kohler Company. And by the way, the land exchange for the uh, the land swap uh, is completely in favor of the Kohler Company. It is right. not beneficial at all to the taxpayers and residents of the state of Wisconsin. So... Um, there's been a lot written about this. You know, uh, one of the uh, professors at Edgewood College in Madison talked about this being a heist yeah. of cherished lands. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I get really concerned when we talk about burial uh, lands, too, because I know here in Minnesota, if the, no matter what they're doing, if something happens like that, immediately the tribes are contacted and brought in. And so this really concerns me when uh, there are known burial grounds in this area and that they're still um, tearing up the ground. Uh, and it's just, uh, I think what we can do here at Native Roots Radio is expose it to this information out there. But uh, we should talk about the tribes and tribal members. And I know uh, being a governmental person, too, in our tribe, there's two ways about this. One of is a, a government way. And then there's a, the membership way, and I think we, we need to, to call on our, our membership of all the nations in Wisconsin to really take action and look into this too. So, I, Mary, I really appreciate you bringing this up, and we got to have you come on again. We can get in, dig in even deeper. Thanks, you know. Robert. Yeah, so Mary, uh, give a website or something, and uh, we're wrapping up the show, and so how people can support you and support the, these actions and keep keep updated. Uh, wh what can you give our uh, listeners? We're friends, blackriverforest.org. That's our, it's a temporary website. Uh, we're working on a new one, but on that one, uh, by either tonight or tomorrow, we'll have both petitions listed and and they can read about the impacts that will happen to the land and actually 
you know, to the health of the, of the Great Lakes. Absolutely. Peeny Gigi, again, thanks for coming on, Mary, and we'll talk to you real soon. Hey, uh, you, you're this, right on. This has been Native Ritz Radio. We want to give a quick shout out to the Lieutenant Governor Robert Lilligren for stopping in and Governor Evers with his update. And of course, Mary, thanks for stopping in. And uh, we're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now.